Fight Night fans and DGens alike, we are finally back for what's felt like the longest layoff ever one month away from this thing. But it's 2023 now, and we're kicking off this UFC slate with UFC Vegas 67, Sean Strickland versus Nazardine. I'm of off, boys. How you guys doing? Ready to be back in here with you. Man, it's it, God, I'm so excited to be here with you guys. This is just such a pleasure, man. We finished 2022 with an absolute bang, you know, finishing over 10 plus units, 50% ROI if you followed our place to the T. And uh, yeah, we're just looking to take that momentum into 2023 and keep this puppy rolling the year of greatness, baby. Yeah, man, I can't remember the last time we went this long without fights. It's kind of crazy. It's like uh, the UFC machine is doing a good job of keeping us on the hook, but. You know, we got a nice uh, nice few weeks of cards lined up. Got a big card next week as well. So, yeah, excited to be back, guys. Yeah, it feels like a nice little warm-up this week before that UFC Brazil card next week, uh, UFC 283. You know, this this fight card obviously was supposed to be I'm Evolve versus Gastelum. I think we were all going to get a Money Shades moment to open this up with I'm Evolve at minus 200. They took that one away from us due to a mouth injury. Pretty disgusting-looking injury for Kelvin Gastelum, too. I'm not sure if you guys saw that picture of his face. Uh, r- rough looking injury. My yeah, dad had a staph infection on his face, which is absolutely disgusting. I mean, anyone who's ever grappled before, like, if you don't shower within 30 seconds of leaving those mats, like, shame on you. You know, that is that is disgusting. So, he's got a yeah, he had a yeah, he had a whole he literally had a hole growing on his face. And, like, the, 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 look, I mean, you just shower, you have good hygiene, and uh, that won't happen. So, kind of some weird looking stuff there, and definitely not a good look on the gaslam side. Yeah, I think his 2023 resolution is to hop into the shower, clean himself a little bit more. But, um, you know, without wasting any more time, we've had a, a pretty hectic start to 2023 with everything that's happened. But we're going to leave that at the wayside right now and just get into what we do best. Let's break down these fights here. And, uh, you know, to start off this main card, we have Usman Nurmagomedov taking on Hauni Barcelos, right? And uh, Umar is an undefeated fighter, obviously carrying that Nurmagomedov last name. And Howney Barcelos, you know, he was on a little bit of a two-fight losing streak before his last time out, where I believe he got a 30-25, 30-26 over Trevin Jones, and he looked like the old uh, Howney Barcelos. And, you know, this is probably the widest, uh, this is definitely the widest line on the card here. It's actually steamed up to Umar minus 950, come back on Howney Barcelos plus 650, which is crazy because right before we started this, I remember looking this morning, that line was still down around minus 700. So, uh I'm guessing some more money pumped in on Umar. And uh, I don't know if you guys agree with this line, if you guys align it any differently, but um, definitely wide. Yeah, it's wide. I mean, it's it's interesting, man. The the, the PFL the PFL veteran Umar and Nurmagomedov. But look, man, I mean, this man is special. There's a reason this line is steamed versus a guy in Barcelos who has no walk in the park. Um, you know, I mean... <clears throat> Barcelos truly is a is a pure mixed martial artist. I mean, he's very well rounded. He's got the tools to be great, but at the end of the day, there's simply levels to this game. And uh, Umar Umar has it, man. You you just watch him fight, man. He he's just got that animal in him. And uh, there's no doubt that this man is destined to to fight for a belt one day. Uh, and Barcelos is just in the way for in, in that. You know, I think the big question is is if Nurmagomedov can find the finish in this fight uh, versus a guy in Barcelos who's incredibly durable. Uh, got submitted once on a regional scene. Outside of that, has never been finished. Uh, but man, Barcelos is just so patient, so smart. He doesn't really put himself in too many dangerous situations. So, uh, I could see where, where Umar just cruises to a decision. Um, wouldn't surprise me if he finds a sub here, but certainly not banking on it. Definitely a no bet all around in this fight. Uh, just going to appreciate for what Umar brings to the table. Yeah, it's tough. I'm, uh, you know, I'm, I'm torn about on this fight just because I'm, I'm such a fan of Tony Barcelos. I, uh, you know, this guy has given me shades of Jose Aldo for the longest time. It's crazy to think that he's 30, he's 35, almost 36 now. But, um, you know, just a few short fights ago, I mean, we were talking about, a you know, a 16 and one, you know, guy on his way to the top. And um, he was on a, you know, the opposite end of a sort of a greasy decision. And then he got outclassed by Victor Henry, which, uh, you know, I, I don't think anyone saw coming. Had a nice bounce back win against Trevor, Trevor, um, Trevor Jones last last time out. Um, it's tough. I mean, you, you won't hear me, you know, saying anything negative about any Barcelos. I mean, the guy is a stud, um, good stand-up, great jiu-jitsu. His father is actually a very well-respected uh, – I think his father might be actually a coral belt in Brazil. So very, very highly respected uh, jiu-jitsu family. But, man, this guy, Umar, I mean, we, we're probably talking about a future title contender here. He is um, 
He has no holes in his game. And not only does that have no holes in his game, but he doesn't get hit at um, all. Yeah, he never it, – it, it's kind of wild. And it just – I mean, yeah, you look at a minus 900, minus 950. I mean, you know, you could say it's wide, but, I mean, is it wide? I mean, what's the difference between like a – a, from a percentage standpoint between like a minus 500 and minus 900? It's not that much, right? No. So, I mean, I think um, Umar is absolutely the side. This fight is, is kind of unbettable in my eyes, but – yeah, it's it's tough. My my heart is rooting for for uh, Barcelos here. I um I would love for him to get the win here. I mean, it's again like a few fights ago, you, you could say this guy was one or two wins away from a from a from a, a true title fight. I mean, he's that good. Um, but yeah, they uh, his 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 management has to like do a better job of getting him fights that he can he can win and shine in. It's like they're not doing him any favors with this match. No, this is, this is just tough for him all around. I think it's going to be a great test for uh, Umar Namagomedov here. I think without a doubt, you could say that Howney Barcelos is the best fighter that he's going to be going up against in a short career. Obviously, 15-0, he hasn't had any uh, shortcomings. He fought Saeed Yukub, uh, Kakramanov in the PFL, but that was a few years ago while Kakramanov was still pretty green. I think in terms of well-roundedness, Howney Barcelos has to be the best fighter that he's going to step into the cage with. And you look at a guy in Barcelos, right? I mean... Look at his statistics. He doesn't get hit too often either, you know, judging by the numbers. But his takedown defense is what stands out, right? I mean, 93% takedown defense. The guy is a five-time Brazilian uh, national champion wrestler. So the guy has all the credentials you want. Dan touched on his jiu-jitsu background as well. And his striking, it, it's also pretty crisp. He also mentioned Jose Aldo. I see the same similarities, too, with how crispy he is in his boxing. Um, not many high kicks coming from his attack. It's mostly boxing-oriented, but... Uh, we saw it a little bit in the Victor Henry fight, right? Where if you put Barcelos on the back foot, it, it leaves much to be desired. I think that's the way that you have to fight him. If he's pushing forward, it's going to be a long night. I don't think he's going to look plus 650 at any minute if he's, you know, dictating the pace of this one. But we've yet to see anyone even come close to doing that against Umar. I know he's only had three fights in the UFC, but he's only taken 10 strikes total in those three fights. That's because he pushes the pace. He makes his opponents fight his fight. He's taking you down. And, you know, he, he has a good he does a very good job of switching stances as well, which uh, confuses his opponent. And one thing I noticed in that Victor Henry fight with Howney Barcelos is that the left hand, he had a very tough time, you know, defending himself against the left hand. And the way that Umar switches and he could go to Southpaw, I think he could come down the pipe with either a left high kick or a left straight down the pipe. And I think that he could hurt Howney at any given moment. But it's it's just too wide, man. I think. When you look at a minus nine fifty favorite versus you know a plus six fifty underdog, we're talking about like levels and levels and levels apart, right? We're, or you know it's going to be a total fade on one fighter just being absolutely poor and you know at least one defensive category in fighting, and you just don't really have that with Harney Balcellos. It just, in my opinion, this is a line that Vegas made, so it is unbettable, right? You're going to have people that want to bet Umar Nurmagomedov, but the payoff's not necessarily going to be there. And I think at this price, you're going to attract money on Howney Barcelos. But I just really don't – I don't see how he gets past Umar. I really don't. Yeah, yeah. And and look, I mean, the line's minus 950. Do we really think Umar's going to look minus 950 in there? I mean, look, he's he's most likely going to find a win here. But it's hard for me to imagine that he just absolutely steamrolls, steamrolls Barcelos, who's, you know, live, breathe, and eats, you know, mixed martial arts since he was a kid. Um, but yeah, no, just for a little bit more context, you know, in, in those three fights, just around five rounds total, absorbing 10 significant strikes, like that's unheard of. Like that's simply unheard of. And uh, it's it's unfortunate because, you know, like like you said, Dan, I mean, Barcelos is a legend. Like he really is. He's so talented. Uh, but when you're running into guys like Umar, it's just a tough task. Now, I want to ask you, Dan, because you mentioned some form of a, a belt with his father or grandfather. What was what did you say it was called? An opal? Coral, coral belt. Coral. That's uh, that's when you've been a black belt long enough. You get uh, that's like the red, red black belt. Essentially, it's only very, very, uh, very hard to get. I mean, you essentially have to be doing jujitsu your entire life to even sniff a coral belt. So interesting, interesting. Yeah. So, like, who who would be the one that um, gives you the coral belt? Because I imagine that you're like already at the top of the food chain of where you train. Somebody of, of equal um, of equal stature. Typically, huh. right? Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, like you guys said, I don't think we touched upon enough how well-rounded Howany Barcelos is. And um, 
you know, at minus 950, we haven't seen a lot from Umar in the stand-up game, right? So it's kind of hard to get there personally and lay that juice when we don't know how he reacts on his back foot because we've never seen it. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, look, I mean, look, Barcelos has that great takedown defense, but you already know that Nurmagomedov is going to bring that chain, that chain wrestling. So could see a world where Barcelos, you know, defends the first three, four, maybe even five takedowns. But, you know, it really only takes one or two, man. One, one or two to keep him down and uh, control the round. So, uh, yeah, certainly expect Umar to come through. Um, certainly not banking on him to find the finish, but uh, Nurmagomedov should come through in, uh, in this spot. Yeah, and it's not your typical Nurmagomedov makeup, right? Obviously, he's he's wrestling forward. That's his base. But we, we've seen the evolution of the stand-up in these guys over at that gym. And Umar is one of, you know, probably the more well-rounded of the Nurmagomedovs that have fought in, in MMA, which is crazy to say because Khabib is – you know, regarded by many as the GOAT in uh, in UFC and mixed martial arts in total. So it's uh, definitely going to be a very good test for him. I think we as fans are going to be able to gauge a lot on Umar Nurmagomedov moving forward from this fight. No doubt. No but doubt. with that being said, let's move on to this next fight. I know we have a little bit of difference of opinion with this one. It is a women's bantamweight fight, probably the thinnest division in the UFC. And we have Ketlin Vieta taking on Raquel Rocky Pennington. Ketlin Vieta coming off a main event decision win over Holly Holm that many, you know, found to be a controversial decision. I think she landed the more, uh, more damage in the fight. I think she put Holly Holm in more uh, dangerous situations. You know, we saw the one standing choke that she had locked in, created that great meme from it. And then Raquel Pennington, I believe she's on a four-fight win streak of her own, right? She's coming off a big win over Aspen Ladd, who's over in the PFL now. And uh, where this fight's currently lined, Ketlin Vieta minus 120, Raquel Rocky Pennington plus 100. I'm going to kick this one off to Dan because I kind of know where he sits on this. And I'd uh, love for you guys to hear his thoughts. Yeah, I mean, I'm on the Vieira side. I mean, granted, I just don't understand the matchmaking here, really. She um, comes off a you know a main event win against Holly Holm, um, beats former champ Misha Tate in the, in the match before that. And then you, they give her Raquel Pennington. Like, I, I you, you know, I, I guess, again, you mentioned it earlier, it's a pretty thin division, not mu- not many names, I guess, to, to match her up with. But, you know, you can make the case that, again, she's coming off a, a split decision where, you know, some folks had it going the other way. So um, my best guess here is that they want her to have a more convincing victory before positioning like a title fight for her. I mean, Vieira, you know, before she got knocked out by uh, Arena Aldana, you know, she was the talk of the town in that division, the up-and-comer. Um, she has a very, very strong judo background, and her hands are, are, are catching up pretty quick, um, certainly improved striking. And, um, you know, she packs a punch. Um, she has good size for the division. And, um, you know, again, I think at 31 years old, she's, she's you know, at that point where she's kind of turning the corner um, again, she's going, she's gone five rounds her last, her last two fights. So, you know, that the cardio is going to be there. Um, you know, this being a three round fight, you gotta, you gotta wonder how she's going to approach it a little bit differently. Um, but you know, in, in Pennington, I mean, I just think that the book has been out on her for quite some time. Um, she, and I mentioned this to you guys, I mean, she, she tends to be who she should be and she tends to lose when the, you know, the, the lights get bright and she has a, as a, as a big matchup. I mean, you know. She's lost to top competition, but um, again, it, it, it's the matchmaking that I don't really understand. I mean, you're feeding her, you know, four straight kind of grappling dominant or, or prefer that kind of approach. And the fighters, you know, and Aspen Ladd, uh, Macy Chasson. Um, and then, you know, you feed her Caitlin Vieira. So for, for me, you know, when I'm trying to cap this fight, I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty clear that this has the makings for what could be a, a pretty, pretty greasy split decision. Um, but I, again, we can also see Caitlin Vieira shine here. I mean, I think for Pennington to win, she has to, you know, let her hands go, which has always been a problem in the fights that she loses. She just doesn't throw. She gets very tentative. And I think Vieira has the kind of power to, you know, clip her early in the fight and just have her kind of questioning her approach altogether. Um, Pennington has, has good hips uh, in the sense that, you know, if you shoot on her from a, you know, from the outside, um, she does a good job at defending, but I think Vieira's, you know, takedowns might be a little bit more judo centric, a lot more uh, from the, from the, you know, from the over under position, double unders. And I think in that clinch, um, I, f- I feel like she'll have the strength advantage, which is something that 
Pennington usually has. She's usually the stronger one in the clinch. So I just feel like the, the story of this fight is going to be can Caitlin Vieira, you know, back up Raquel Pennington and, and, and make her start to kind of question herself. Um, you know, Pennington, uh, you know, I, I'm pretty sure she's hinted at retirement a couple of times, um, but she's at a point in her career where I think she's kind of accepted that she's not going to be winning a title. And so what does she necessarily have to fight for at this point versus Vieira, who, I mean, you can say that she's probably hungrier than ever at this point. She's coming off um, beating back-to-back champions. So, I mean, what else can you do besides give her a, a title fight in her in the next one if she wins convincingly here? So um, I like Vieira here. I know MMA Twitter is sort of all over her, um, you know, kind of a coin flip at this point. It's the makings of a fight that, you know, whoever loses you're going to you know say the judges suck and you know that whole that whole spiel so um i'm going to side Vieira here i don't know from a betting standpoint you know how much or what my unit size would be but i'll definitely have some exposure to uh to Vieira here and um i i you know i I have a hunch that i think she wins in convincing fashion here i really do i think um i think she can if she can get this fight to the ground i absolutely think she can keep pennington on her back and uh, we might see some form of like TKO from a, a crucifix position, something along those lines where I don't think if Pennington on her back, I mean, I don't really trust her ability to get up against someone like, like with Vieira's grappling acumen. So yeah, I like, I like Vieira here. Yeah, yeah. I think, I think you make, a, you know, some really good points there, Dan, because obviously you and I went back and forth on this one a little bit yesterday. Um, you, you started to sway me a little bit, you know, back towards the middle. I, I was leaning a lot heavier towards the Rocky side. Um, like I mentioned, Dan makes some good points. I think Vieira is going to be the more powerful fighter in there. She's going to be the stronger fighter in there. I think we could say that without question. Um, in the clinch, you know, Rocky does shine there. She throws good knees, good combos, dirty boxing. That's where she likes to thrive. But with Vieira having that judo background and the strength advantage, it'll give you a little bit of hesitancy from backing Pennington, at least to a strong standpoint, right? Um, in terms of, you know, uh, optics and how this fight's going to be viewed by say the judges i think a lot of pennington's style caters to her in this matchup one because Vieira, you know when it comes to striking I, I know she's labeled as a striker first and foremost but i think that her grappling i mean her uh defensive striking is you know it has some holes in it i think that she gets hit way too much i think rocky if we've seen anything from her last two fights is that you know her striking has gotten better She's giving out more output. She's the one that's typically pressing forward. I was very impressed by her last performance against Aspen Ladd, who, you know, is a bigger woman. You know, she fights up at 145. I think she may have even fought up like around 155 in PFL, if I'm not mistaken. So, you know, we've seen Pennington go in there against bigger fighters. And I believe that if this one goes to the scorecard, it's going to be Rocky's name that's being read aloud. I think Vieira's best, you know, chance at a win here comes inside the distance actually i know the line currently for uh, over under is two and a half obviously the under is plus 280 over minus 360 so you know they're kind of uh, alluding to this one going all three rounds but i really i really struggle seeing how Vieira gets ahead on the scorecards unless as dan mentioned she throws her down with a judo toss and she just you know is able to hold her there but We've seen Rocky, I think, in her last fight, even against Aspen Ladd. She got taken down there, and she was able to get right back up. So she um, you know, does a good job of using submissions to, to work her way back up to her feet off her back, and that could be the difference maker in this fight. It's a very tough one to judge, though, because, like I mentioned, I think Rocky optically is going to look like the winner in this one. It's just a matter of damage versus output, I think, and uh, whoever's judging that night. So if this does go the distance, I do agree that it'll – likely be a split i think kev mentioned it's around plus 350 um otherwise inside the distance I think it might be worth a look um at one of those finish only lines for Vieira finish only and mm-hmm. taking her there but otherwise it's uh you know lean pennington probably not going to bet it though hmm. interesting yeah no i mean you guys have incredible breakdowns what more is there to add you know <clears throat> Vieira does have a 92 percent takedown defense which is incredibly impressive uh, I certainly don't expect Rocky to find any success initiating the grappling and taking her down. Um, you know, look, uh, Vieira is, is clearly hungry, right? I mean, coming off, like you said, damn back-to-back wins versus champions. Um, you know, Pennington, former title challenger, lost to Nunez, I believe, back in, was it 2016 or uh, 2018, I believe. So, um, look, and she's on this little, little win streak here, you know, clearly versus competition that isn't the greatest, uh, but 
you know, look, uh, it's one final run for Pennington. You know, um, this is a, a must win in, at this point in her career. You know, there is no coming back from a loss here. So um, just a just an interesting fight. I think that this line is 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 uh, is appropriate. I think uh, coin flip is is solid. Um, but, you know, look, Matt, I, you said a good point. I, I, I genuinely, genuinely believe that Rocky's um, striking has improved during this um, this win streak. I mean, out of, within her win streak, right? I mean, two of those wins, um, she had over 100 significant strikes. In the women's division, is something that you love to see. Um, I don't believe Viera has a, a f- three-round fight over 100 significant. So uh, in a three-round fight, it's interesting. It's really interesting. Um, I think Pennington is is ready for this test. Um, you know, Viera is, is certainly a dog, right? I mean, she's 7-2 and two in the UFC. Uh, you know, she's she could be the next Brazilian um, to, to take the reins in this division. So... Uh, should be an interesting fight. Really hard for me to bet this side because I just, I just feel like if these ladies fight ten times, it's five five apiece. Like I, it's really hard for me to truly find an edge here. Um, so, like you said, Matt, I think that uh, the plus three fifty uh, by split is incredible value. I mean, you're talking about two ladies that are, from what we've seen, incredibly durable. Uh, you know, so it, I expect this to firmly go to a decision here and uh, in, in a close fight where both ladies will land. Um, I don't think either lady necessarily comes out say hesitant, but uh, both ladies will have their opportunities in this fight and uh, certainly expecting a, a, a nice little greasy one, one going into the third. Yeah. And, and just to build a little bit on uh, why I initially leaned to Pennington side, you know, watching that Misha Tate fight with Ketlin Vieira, just watching, you know, Misha Tate at this stage in her career, right. Able to piece up Vieira on the feet that, that to me visually was not a, a promising sign for wanting to take her at minus minus one twenty, but you know, the Holly Holm fight paints a little bit of a different story. I think that obviously more damage landed there. And then you have to consider the fact that Rocky Pennington broke her hand her last time out fighting. She hasn't fought in a year because of it. You know, those are tough, you know, they're bitch injuries to deal with. You know, it's always going to be recurring. You're always going to have issues with it. Um, you know, sabermetrics time to, to get involved here. She's expecting a child with Tisha Torres, I believe. I think they're pregnant. You know, not sure if you knew they're a power UFC couple, Tisha Torres. Mm-hmm. Raquel Pennington. So who knows why she's taking this fight? I know it, it doesn't make much sense for her unless she's making a last minute title run, which, you know, this is a fight she'd have to win in order to do so. But I took a look at that Ketlin Vieira by finish only, meaning if this goes to decision that the bets are just null void, doesn't count. It's the same as the money line minus 120. So I think, you know, it, instead of taking that that chance of this being a finish only uh, where you're taking like the plus 480, I think it is on Ketlin Vieira. You kind of just eliminate the risk of this going to decision. Take the finish only. I don't think that Rocky has what it takes to finish Ketlin Vieira here. I don't know about you guys. Yeah, I mean this this fight like the winner is is getting a shot at Nunes. Am I? I mean, who else is next? Or in Pena? Line? Or Pena? They might make Pena fight a uh, eliminator before getting uh, Nunes again after just getting demolished by her. Who knows? Right. That division's just a mess. Yeah. No, 100%. I mean, it just, it, it's really fiending for, for new blood in that division. And, uh, you know, Pennington has already gotten a shot at Nunes. So who knows? Maybe UFC uh, wants Vieira to come, come out and, uh, you know, show a little bit more Brazilian in that division. So, we'll yeah. See. I mean, with uh, with Dan's saber metrics, you know, UFC Brazil next week, you have a woman's uh, Brazilian fighter on the main card here. Who knows? Maybe a little bit of a, of a setup job. Could be. Could be. Absolutely. <laughs> But uh, let's move on to this next one, right? This is definitely a way more exciting fight for the fans. One of our fir- uh, one of our favorites from last year, Roman Kopolov. I remember we hit him on the KP money line. We hit him on the KP by knockout against Alessio DeCirico. And he's yeah. taking on Punahele Soriano, who's coming off a big knockout win over Dolce Lunjambula. And uh, I believe I was there in person for that fight. I think that was UFC Long Island. And I, I was at the concession break, and he knocked him out while I was gone. So I didn't get to witness it in person unfortunately but this is a very good fight i think um this one's lined around minus 155 for punahele soriano comeback on roman kopalov plus 135 the over under set at two and a half rounds the over at plus 120 the under at minus 150 i think you know if you're looking at this fight we can agree or at least i'm confident in saying that i believe that kopalov is a more well-rounded striker i think that he offers way more than punahele does on the feet they're both southpaws, so it's going to be tricky to see how they match up with one another if they're able to get inside one another. Um, a knock on on Kopolov is that he seems to be hesitant at times. He likes to play kind of a pity patty game. He's not looking to get into the fire, but you know we saw him finish that last one 
with the with the tenacity in that third round against Takirko once he had him up against the fence. So we know that that's in there for him. Punahele on the other end, you know, he's had ups and downs in his short UFC career, uh, beating Dolce Lunjambula. You know, I don't want to disrespect the man. He, he's a UFC fighter at the end of the day, but that, that doesn't say much for your resume. It's not, you know, it's, <laughs> it's not much to write home about. Other than that, you know, he's lost to Brendan Allen. He lost to Maximoff. He, he's had he's had his struggles in the in the division, but that that can't be said without, you know, saying that Kopolov did lose to Carl Roberson. So they kind of one hand and the other. It's, uh, you know, it's just a tricky matchup, I think. For me personally, I like the over in this fight. I'm not sure if I'm going to play it. I know I talked to you guys. I'm trying to limit my prop exposure this year. Uh, just focus on picking winners and losers. But at plus 120 on the over two and a half, both these guys have been hesitant at times. Yes, they can end fights. But, you know, it, it seems like one of those affairs where they're going to be too afraid to engage, get inside the, the fire with one another, totally respectable of each other's power coming back at them. And the fact that it's Southpaw versus Southpaw, you know, like I mentioned before, it's going to be tough for them to set up what they're normal and, and used to setting up against an orthodox fighter. So if I were to play this one, it would probably be plus 120 on the over two and a half. And I would actually probably take Kopolov at plus 135. The only thing that really is stopping me from taking Kopolov is I'm not too sure how he can defend himself if Punahele decides to grapple in this. I know Punahele really isn't, you know, a dominant grappler per se, but he you know, I think I could say without a shadow of a doubt that he's going to be the more physical, the stronger guy in there. And, um, you know, if he's able to find success early with takedowns, I could see him going back to that well and back to that well. So, um, yeah, those are my leans in this fight. I don't have anything that I'm, you know, foaming at the mouth to take, though. Yeah, man, I, <clears throat> I almost forgot that we hit that um, that Kapila versus the Kiriko a few months back. Um, no, and I don't think I'll, yeah, man, and, and and, you know, after watching that fight, I don't think I'll ever be betting Kapilov again for many, many reasons. This man is just so stationary. Like he's so low volume, like watching his tape is honestly like watching paint dry on a wall. Like he just doesn't really offer any aggressiveness in my opinion. Like uh, he just kind of picks his shots. He's just too timid for me, man. And uh, that's not the type of fighter that I'm willing to put my money on. Like, uh, and a guy in Soriano, you know, the Hawaiian, that Hawaiian blood and spirit, whatever you want to call it. Uh, you know, he has these like weird blitzes where he just finishes his opponents. And, um, he also is very, very timid when he fights. He's, he's one of those fighters that, you know, he'll wait to maybe take a, a good punch or take something clean with which will eventually light that fire and, and, and allow him to push forward. But like, I just don't think that either of these guys consistently push the pace. Uh, and so for that reason, I'm just going to fade it for what it is. Um, I, I, I don't hate that look, Matt, um, of, of this, of this going to a decision, you know, I, I don't expect there to be many uh, dangerous situations. I mean, look, someone can easily get clipped in this spot and just go out cold. I wouldn't be surprised there. But, um, you know, both these guys, I, I just don't really like their style whatsoever. They're, they're, they're just too low volume, too timid, you know, can be hit. Um, so for that reason, fading all around, all around, um, certainly expect this fight to be on the feet for the majority of the, the 15 minutes here, um, where both guys are predominantly strikers, but, um, yeah, I mean, I think if Soriano, uh, you know, I, I don't know. I just don't like these guys whatsoever. I don't think they're great fighters. Uh, they're, they're low volume, just no, no, no reason for me to put money on guys that, um, I just don't think are very good. So that's kind of my take on this one. Uh, yeah, just, uh, not a big fan of these guys and, uh, just going to watch for what it is. Yeah, I, uh, I, I, I think I have a little bit more conviction on this fight than than, than you guys. I mean, I, I do like Soriano quite a bit here. Um, you know, the thing is, is that Kopolov is, I mean, he had a great showing his last fight. Before that, we hadn't seen him for a little while. So, um, you know, certainly a great way to, to welcome yourself back into the octagon. Um, you know, he was fighting a guy who was also kind of on his way out. And, um you know, the thing about Kopilov is that he has these, like, flashes of, of you know, really incredible striking. I mean, the guy, when he lets his hands go, um, very, very crisp, very, very crisp hands. Mm -hmm. The problem is that he never throws. And not only that, but he, you're also talking about a guy who is low volume, and we've also seen him gas in fights. So it's like, what's going on here? Like, like how are you getting so tired? You're not even throwing that much. Um yeah. And I think with Soriano, you know, a lot of people forget he's an all-American wrestler. Like the guy can grapple. Um, he, you know, had that fight with Nick Maximov where he uh, kind of jacked his knee up a little bit, defending take, defending a takedown. And I think that was, 
you know, a big reason why he lost that fight. Like he wasn't a hundred percent. It was kind of a weird kind of sprawl where he like split his legs and his knee kind of tweaked a little bit. Um, you know, it just, it looked like it hurt, but I think when you get in Soriano as a guy that um, he can absolutely fucking crack. And not only that, I mean, I just think, you know, his ability to take a punch versus Kopilov's, I mean, you know, I'll, I'll put money on the fact that I think he can, he can take a, take a crack a little bit better. I, um, I, you know, you, you have both guys here that I think the, the recipe for success for Soriano is going to be put Kopilov on the back foot um, and then, you know, unleash when he gets back up against the cage. I mean, we're in the apex here. It's a smaller octagon. So it's going to lend to Soriano style a little bit more because, you know, he can back Kopilov up against the fence and if need be, you know, shoot in for a takedown. Um, we've seen Kopilov get controlled on the ground as well by, you know, my boy Carl Robertson. Baby uh, face K, baby. That's it, man. You know, if you're getting subbed by Carl Robertson, you got bigger problems. <laughs> but yeah, you know, it's um, I, I like Soriano here. I mean, I, th I think he's had, um, you know, he's had kind of a up and down UFC career lately. You know, he came out pretty hot, but then um, you know, lost back to back fights. And again, that Maximoff fight was a you know it was a split decision loss. And consider the fact that he was compromised uh, with an ACL injury uh, halfway through that fight, um, you know, not the worst showing. Uh, so I do think that both these guys are coming off of fights that they uh, were supposed to win in impressive fashion. And both, both did that. So, I, you know, I think this line is, is, is capped correctly. Um, I definitely like Soriano here. And I, I do think that Soriano can, um, can, can finish Kopilov. I really do. I mean, he's um, again, you're talking about a guy low volume and cardio issues. Um, is he going to be able to stand up to, you know, one of those Soriano bombs? I don't know. I don't know. I'm not sure, but um, I like Soriano here for sure. Uh, definitely have some exposure to him on Saturday. Yeah. I really want to see Soriano utilize that wrestling background though. Cause I, I think if there's ever a good matchup for him to do so, it's uh, this weekend. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and again, I mean, I think, just being able to mix it up a little bit. I mean, you know, pure striking match, um, probably give the edge to Kopilov just because of, I, I think just what we've seen, he just has a, the crisper style, but um, you know, again, it, it's really just more the aggressiveness that I'm not like that, that I see from him. Um, granted, I mean, he can come out and, and show us that he's kind of a new, a new man, right? I mean, before that DiCirico fight, we hadn't seen him for a year. Um, and he's right within, you know, he's only 31 now. So, you know, he's still kind of in that, in that window where he could still be improving. But, um, I just think Soriano is going to be a little bit too strong and, and, uh, you know, again, he'll be able to take a punch a little bit better. And again, what, you know, if he managed to get Kopilov on his back, I, I really think that, uh, this was in the bag. Yeah. And, and to make more of a case for Soriano, right. If you're a striker and you gas out, nothing's going to make you gas harder than having to carry another man wrestling. So Absolutely. If that's part of the game plan, we could see a totally gassed out Kopilov come round three. Sure. Um, makes you wonder, like, is it worth taking a look at Punahele, like, double chance round three or decision at plus 200? I think that's a pretty decent line. Um, Punahele and over one and a half is plus 140. So these are, you know, ways to get him at plus money if you're looking to play the Soriano side. Because personally, I think if Soriano wins, it's going to come in the second half of the fight, if not on the scorecards. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and you guys already know that 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 Hawaiian blood, heart, and spirit, man, comes with a lot of durability. So you know, uh, I, I was actually going to say that that you know he's got Hawaiian blood in him, so he probably can take a punch better than Kopilov. But I know I have you as a co-host on this show, and uh, <laughs> I could always rely on you. You know, Kopilov looks like uh, Chase Hooper's older brother. Kopilov oh, looks man. like a good friend of mine, actually. He looks just like really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so maybe, maybe I'm like subconsciously biased towards Kopilov a little bit. That and the fact that he hit us for uh, that knockout prop last time out. But yeah. And now you mentioned the over. I was just looking through topology here. So Cope, both guys have nine wins. Uh, Kopilov, eight knockouts, one decision. Soriano, six knockouts, two submissions, one decision. So, like, how do you feel with, you know, like with that nature of them being able to finish the fight early uh, with, you know, with this going to a decision? You know what I'm saying? Like, uh, yeah, I mean, that doesn't necessarily – that's not like the um, the end-all, be-all for when I look at over-unders for the most part. It's more so like how how do they lose, right? 
Right. I think we've seen Punahele. I don't know if Punahele has been finished, has he? No, he hasn't. he has not. And then Kopolov outside of uh, Roberson, he lost his other fight by decision, right? I believe so. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, it, it more so when I'm looking at over unders, I take defense into account way more than how they're offensively winning them. So mm. um, doesn't doesn't carry too much weight for me. Yeah, yeah. Kopilov, man, he just he just fights like a bitch, man. I'm sorry. <laughs> look, I know we cash. Look, I know you we up, Kev. <laughs> no, look, I know we cashed in uh, his last fight, but like I just vividly remember that feeling of watching this man fight and. Uh, just doesn't throw. Just it doesn't was aggravating. Throw. I remember that. I remember we were in the Discord. We're all like, bro, just throw. Like, you yeah. have him. Hit him. Yeah. He did it's eventually. Like he, he did eventually. Yeah. He's like, he has the right tools in the shed, but he's just not using the right one. and uh, Or he's not using any of them. So, yeah. I mean, I would love, I'd love for uh, Soriano's steamroll here. Maybe you have that little Hawaiian narrative with Soriano and Ige coming through. Who knows? But um, should be a, a, a snoozy one, in my opinion, here with this Soriano Kapilov fight. Yeah, well, that's a good segue into the next matchup, which is Dan Ige taking on our boy Damon Jackson, who if you guys watch this show, you know, from its inception, Damon Jackson was on here a few months ago, I believe back in October, and he made the call out for Dan Ige. Uh, we helped facilitate it a little bit, I'd like to think, right? You know, take a little bit of uh, the ownership for this matchup coming to fruition, but good on Damon getting the fight that he called for a guy in the top 15. I think he's more than deserving of it in his second opportunity with the UFC. And for Dan Ige, just you, you can't ask for a better fight for him now, right? Cause he's been fighting in the top 15, you know, uh, Evloev, he fought uh, Josh Emmett, you know, he's been fighting all these guys in the top 15 Korean zombie as well. So it's, it's refreshing to see him fight backwards for a change and actually be able to showcase his skill set. you know, that propelled him into those top 15 fights to begin with. Um, Ige obviously has been on a little bit of a cold streak. I think he's lost four of his last five or three of his last four, one or the other. Mm -hmm. And then we all know Damon Jackson is just steamrolling through uh, the UFC in this stint. I believe he is on a three or four fight win streak in his own right. And, um, you know, Dan Ige does have a wrestling background, but if there's anything that's been hurting him in this, in this recent uh, run that he's had or lack thereof, it's been his defensive wrestling. The fact that he's been able to be controlled taken down uh it's been against top competition though i mean korean zombie movzar evloev and josh Emmett didn't necessarily wrestle him too much he just beat him on the feet which in itself i, I remember it being controversial at the time that a lot of people thought Ige actually won that fight and now you have josh Emmett fighting for the interim belt in uh, perth next month but damon jackson obviously a huge first round knockout emotional win last time out against pat sabatini a young rising star so um this fight has all the makings for fireworks Damon Jackson fights, as you can see, the guy has 18 finishes and 22 wins. He comes to fight. And then, you know, Dan Ige, nine finishes and 15 wins as well. Uh, 50K Ige, they call him that for a reason. He pretty much uh, retired. What's his name? Gavin Tucker, right? He hasn't fought since he knocked him out. So, um, you know, I think to cap this fight, I think this is a very accurate line. You know, minus 125 on Dan Ige, the guy who has the experience of fighting up in the division. We've seen him have success in the UFC. And Damon Jackson plus 105, it's one of those affairs of who's going to fall first, right? And, you know, I think we, we've seen them both have, uh, you know, durability in their recent runs as well. Um, outside of Damon Jackson getting knocked out by Ilio Topuria, he's been pretty consistent with his chin and his durability. And it seems like he has a fire underneath him that won't let him quit. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see how this one plays out. It's too close for me to call who I think is going to win. Obviously, my heart is going to be with Damon Jackson. I'm going to be pulling for Damon. I've uh, learned my mistake. I'm going to come out here, you know, on on the mic, on the camera, and admit that I've been against Damon his last three or four fights, and I'm 0-4, we'll call it. So um, probably best for me personally to stay off this one as a whole. Yeah, man. Oh, gosh. This is an interesting fight, man. Interesting fight. You know, uh, Damon Jackson – Truly a truly a dog, man. I mean, like I and I've said this on stream multiple times, but like, you know, you have a guy that gets cut from the UFC 2016, comes back, goes to the regional scene, comes back to the UFC, earns his right, earns his respect, and uh is catching dubs, man. I mean, he's just he he has such a unique um frame for this division, just with his length. Um, he's gonna have four inches of height in this spot. Um, but you know, the biggest concern I have with Damon, and if Damon happens to watch us, I'm sorry, brother, but like I don't know. I just think that when it comes to the true durability of Damon, like um, I think he's there to be hit. I, I really do. Um, you know, and uh, he's been finished multiple times. You know, guy in Dan Ige, interesting prospect. You know, um, 
you know, from 2018 to 2020, you know, went on a little uh, six six fight win streak in the UFC, which, you know, is is uh, not many fighters can say, uh, you know, but what I really scratch my head about with Dan Ige, you know, from everything that we've seen, you know, he just likes to, he likes to box, you know, he likes to have that left left right hook, you know. Uh, when, if I'm not mistaken, Dan, you can maybe uh, confirm this, but if I'm not mistaken, Ige is a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt. Um, but I feel like he just doesn't show that skill from what we've seen uh, in the octagon. And, um, you know, it, it's just one of those things, you know, you just you, you don't like to see a guy get, you know, controlled and taken down. Now, mind you, I think that this is a pretty significant step back in competition for Ige. Um, I mean, you're talking about fighting guys in Mazvlar Vloyev who – Again, is one of those guys that is probably destined to fight for the belt one day. You know, Josh Emmett, who's right already there. You know, uh, Calvin Cater. I mean, Korean Zombie. So, like, clearly, you know, Ige is is up for any form of a challenge. So, um, you know, this is just this is just an interesting spot for me here, man. Like, I my heart is God. My heart is telling me that uh, you know, Dan Ige is gonna is gonna find ways on the feet and 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 find the mark on Damon. Another part is telling me that Damon's gonna take him down and just. Show off why he was nicknamed the leech, man. Get that uh that body triangle, that body lock, and uh just control the round. So um, God, it's really hard for me to to lean aside here. Um, I've already told myself earlier in the week that I'm just not betting this fight for the respect of Damon. Um, I know that he doesn't bet, so uh I would hate to bet against him. Um, you know, so I look, I, I wish him a lot of respect. I, I think that this is a really tough matchup, man. I, I think that Ige is due. I think that Ige is due, you know. Um he's he's lost, you know, four or five. Uh, as mentioned, you know, pre COVID, he was on a very nice little, sk- nice little run there, excuse me. And, um, yeah, it's really tough, man. It's really tough for me to choose this out. I can just see this going many, many different ways. Um, it'll just be who, who's ready for the test on Saturday night. So, um, should be, should be a fun one, should be action packed and, uh, no doubt that Damon will bring a show. Yeah. I mean, um, yeah, you guys make some great points. I mean, I think, uh, you know, you can't really compare strength of schedule, at least in the last, you know, five, six fights for each guy. Um, Dan Ige has, you know, pretty much fought the the cream of the crop of the division. Um, and, you know, again, before this little skid that he's on, I mean, he had some impressive wins, right? He beats Edson Barbosa, um, you know, to name, you know, to name a few. Um, Gavin Tucker, I mean, when he beat Gavin Tucker, people were, were singing his praises I and mean, he just, kind of clean his clock and gavin tucker was on a very good run of his own leading up to that fight too yeah funny enough though once he switches nickname to 50k he hasn't he's gotten a performance bonus so try to turn that one around here but um you know i um you know as much as i want to bet aside here i mean i think my favorite bet um on this one is the fight to not go the distance um you know getting that at, at plus 120 um, anytime you get these kind of coin flip fights that, you know, I think on fight night, I mean, either guy can be, can be the favorite. Um, I, I think that's always a nice, nice spot, right? You get a guy like Damon who, um, you know, he's been finished in the past, but then, you know, he also has good finishing upside. And um, I can absolutely see a scenario where, you know, he catches Dan Ige's back walks on that body triangle, rides him, and, and maybe he, maybe he, you know, submits Dan Ige. Um, Ige's a black belt, but I mean, you know, Damon's, Damon's ground game is very, very good. And again, he has a body type for that division where it's going to be easier for him to sink in um, those, you know, guillotine, Dar's chokes, rear naked chokes. I mean, he's a tall, lanky guy. And when you have those kind of thin, um, that thin frame, it's easier for you to kind of sink something under, under the neck. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I, I like the fight to not go the distance here. Um, funny enough, and I was watching half the battle. Uh, our, uh, you know, our, uh, our our previous guest Dan uh, Dan Levy um, actually talked about how Dan Ige loses round two in like almost every fight that he's in, which I found that really interesting. And I went back and kind of watched some of his fights. That, he's absolutely right. <laughs> the guy loses second round in almost every fight. It's kind of weird. Um, but I just think that Ige has, again, he's fought, you know, the cream of the crop in the division. And so, you know, this is a fight that he should win. I mean, on paper, um, if you're uh, sort of a casual better and you're kind of looking at both guys and who they fought, um, you see a guy, Ige, who's lost four of the last five against top guys. And, you know, we see this time and time again where guys kind of take a, take a step down, right, and, and, and walk into a fight that they should win. It doesn't always work like that, right? Cody yeah. Garbrandt, Kai Kara France. 
I think I think I think it's it's a lot easier said than done, right? Especially when you're a guy that nicknames yourself 50k. Like a lot of your, you know, a lot of your persona is built on confidence, right? And and you're losing your past three in a row. You're losing four to your last five. Like, how much does that wear on your performance? I think it's a great mental study, right? To see, you know, if it has a larger impact than we perceive it to to have, right? But, um you just have two different sides of the coin here. You have someone who's hungry, making his way up the rankings on a, you know, four fight win streak. And another guy that's been at the top has failed three times in a row. And now, you know, in his mind, he's thinking I have an easier fight, but we all know that that's not necessarily the case. Like just because it's, it's that way on paper, doesn't mean that once you step foot, you know, it, it could be a total disadvantage for Ige, right. To have that sort of mindset, not saying he does, we don't know that for a fact, but the way yeah. we all perceive it to be, it totally could be. You you could have said the same thing about the the, the previous main event with Gastelum and Imavov, right? I mean, Gastelum, you could say that Imavov is a step down from who he's recently fought. Uh, does that mean he was going to walk through him? Absolutely not. He was going to lose that fight. So, you know, it is what it is. I mean, I just think that um, what also scares me about, about this fight for Damon Jackson is that Dan Ige, um, and again, I'm not, I'm not going to say, I don't want to draw it, you know, comparisons, um, but there are similarities to my man, El Matador, Ilya Teporia. You got a, a smaller framed guy for the division who packs a fucking punch. And uh, we saw what happened to Damon there. So it's like, you know, he's going to have to watch out for Dan, for Ige's overhand um, because that's going to be coming hard. And, and one thing that everyone says about, about Dan Ige is that, like, the man can crack, you know, so... Um, hopefully Damon's chin can hold up. I mean, my heart's rooting for for Damon. He was our inaugural inaugural guest. Um, he's a steed holder. We want this guy to win for the community. But um, yeah, I'm uh, I'm respectfully not going to be betting aside. I'm going to be betting the fight to not go the distance. Would love nothing more than to see my boy Damon Jackson lock on that body triangle in round two and and sub EA and. Uh, but you know, again, um, anything can happen in the UFC. I think uh, very very. You know, I, I really like this matchup. I think it's um, it's good for both guys. It makes sense, and um, and yeah, I love violence. So let's let's bet on violence for this one. Love it, absolutely. Love it. I, I could personally say I'll, I'll probably end up actually. I will definitely end up placing a bet on Damon Jackson before this fight happens, love just it. to give me an added extra motivation for uh, watching him get the job done. And when Damon comes back on the show, we'll make sure to let him know that. Mr. Emperor over here. No, 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 no. I ain't on no side. Uh, (laughs) Look, I mean, look, at the end of the day, Jackson has the momentum in this spot. And like, I feel as though that there's a reason he's circled Danny Ye's name is like, that's who I want next. And it's like, the man has 51% takedown defense. I firmly expect Damon to initiate that grappling early and often. Um, But I wouldn't be surprised if he gets clipped as, as tough as it is for me to say that, uh, I can't. Uh, it's so tough for me to choose a side here. Um, certainly no bet, but um, God, for the sake of the kingdom, it would be insane if Action Jackson came through. I know the uh, the the Discord will be popping with uh, with Hasbula memes left and right if that happens. So um, should be a fun fight though. Should be action packed and uh, like you said, Dan should be a very violent one. Yeah, and uh, to get into these saber metrics that my boy Kev likes a lot, Dan mentioned before since you know he's taken on the the moniker of fifty k. No bonuses, no wins, actually, since he's taken on that moniker. Our boy Damon Jackson takes on a new nickname, Action Jackson. He's 1-0. He's undefeated with a new nickname. So, you know, there's your saber metric for this fight, Kev. Love it. Love it. Yeah, going to be a banger. Going to be a banger, boys. Can't wait for this weekend. Absolutely. So let's move on to this uh, newly announced main event taking place at 205 pounds, right? Sean Strickland taking on Nazardin Amaivov. Sean Strickland headlining back-to-back fight night cards right which is a first i think since tito ortiz if i'm not mistaken they're the only two that have uh you know that can say they've boasted that claim in the ufc that's pending everything goes well with the weigh-ins on friday right that he actually makes the 205 because from the looks of it sean's a little bit blown up at the moment since that last loss to uh cannoneer um you know i mentioned it earlier in in this uh episode that if this state as the as the original matchup with gasoline versus i'm evolved minus 200 on i'm evolved would have been a, a great great way to start the year with the money shades play but you know completely different opponent here sean strickland i think presents some challenges for nazardine amaivov the line currently is minus 110 on both sides i think i'm involved open around minus 120 right i think we've seen some money come back in on sean strickland here 
I don't have, you know, a confident take in this one because, you know, we saw Sean Strickland get finished, but he got finished by Alex Pajeda, right? And, you know, other than that, he got finished down at welterweight. And, you know, it's just two different stories when you're fighting between welterweight and middleweight. And we've seen the difference it's made in Sean Strickland's career. So um, I don't think I'm above hits like Alex Pajeda does, right? Um, he wasn't able to get Joaquin Buckley out of there, who we just saw Chris Curtis get him out. So, you know, he's dangerous. He's lethal. He's got a lot of tools in his in his bag. But I don't know if it's enough to get Sean Strickland out of there. On the flip side, I don't know if Sean Strickland is able to go five rounds in his current physique. Normally, he has cardio for days. Um, you know, that's because he spars all day, every day. He's He's always in a fight no matter what he's doing. So going 25 minutes in a cage is nothing for him. I would like to see Sean actually fight this time out, not just jab, 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 get out of the way, jab again. Um, just it, it's a tough one to call. This one has, for me personally, absolutely zero betting interest. I don't know who's going to win. I probably lean I'm evolved, right? But Strickland's one of those guys who's been performing at a top level, and it's not like he's been performing poorly at a top level. He's in close, close fights, Pajeda aside. So it's uh, tough for me to get here. I know you both are on the I'm of off side, so I'm just going to kick it to you who have uh, actual conviction on this. Yeah, I guess I'll just take this one away, man. I mean, for one, Strickland, man, this guy has some balls of steel. Like you're talking about a guy that pay-per-view or, you know, was on a headliner uh, just about a month ago and is now headlining the next card for the UFC. Truly miraculous. Uh, it's actually a 23-year record that he's breaking. Uh, Tito Ortiz was the last fighter to headline two back-to-back uh, events. So, you know, it's just, it, it's just true. It's a true testament to Strickland's character. I mean, whether he wins, loses, or draws in this spot, you know, to take this fight on short on five days notice, um, you know, man, after he just headlined a card, I mean, it's, it's, it's truly special, man. It really is. And, um, you know, a guy in Imavov, he's, uh, I mean, what, what is there to say? He's a Russian sniper, you know, he's, he's 26 years old. Uh, I think that he has great distance control, you know, out there at MMA factory training with, uh, Cyril gone. Um, and, 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 and like the way he kind of dances around the octagon is, is very similar to Cyril, just the way he kind of goes in and out laterally. Um, and a guy in Strickland who really just relies on that jab. I, I, I just don't know how much that is going to work in this spot. Um, you know, uh, you know, obviously coming in on the short notice, you know, obviously this fight is going to be at two Oh five here. So, uh, just something to note. I'm really intrigued to see where Imavov uh, stands, you know, where he looks on the scales because, you know, this is a weight class up here. You know, there's a reason it's a weight class up. They called in Strickland, you know, he put on, you know, packed on a few pounds, ate a few burgers since his last fight and uh, won't be able to make this, uh, this weight. So going to be an interesting one, boys. I, um, I, I actually really like Imavov in this spot. You know, I think um, the slight hesitancy that I, I initially had was the fact that, you know, Strickland has headlined. I believe this is his fourth headliner. In the UFC, you know, Imavov 26, this is his first, you know, uh, you know, bright lights on him. And, uh, you know, but I just think that in the nature of Strickland coming in and taking this fight, um, I just think Imavov is going to is going to find a way. I really think that he's going to finish Strickland in this spot. You know, everybody talks about, OK, about this cardio, this, that and the other. But I have no doubt that Imavov trains incredibly hard. I have no doubt that his cardio is in check. Um, in a five round fight, you know, I just think that he's going to have enough what it takes. And, uh, you know, if he finds finish early round one, two or three, it won't even matter about those championship rounds. So, um, yeah, I just think Imavov is the side here. I just think that he has way more versatile, uh, style of striking. I think that he throws way, you know, more efficient kicks, punches, everything. I, I just think that he's a better all around striker than Strickland. I mean, Strickland does have a great jab. He has a great way of, you know, keeping his opponent at bay. But, I mean, unless Strickland is, you know, hunting down Imavov for, for 25 minutes, you know, I just don't see a world, man. I just don't see a world where he comes through, man. I, I just I, – I see Imavov just showing a little bit more pressure and putting Sean on the back foot. And, and and with Sean's style, like, the way he throws those punches with that jab on the back foot, like, he doesn't really have anything else to offer, my opinion, in the striking department. So, you know, for that reason, I think Imavov is going to look very good uh, on Saturday and he's going to come through. So, uh, my side is Imavov. Already got three and it's locked in and – uh we gonna cash in. Yeah, I um, uh, I find it fucking crazy how he was a minus two hundred against Gastelum, um, and now he's like, you know, and now just in terms of legal, look at the odds now, I mean, he's sitting at minus one hundred five on Bet Online right now. I mean, I, I find that fucking insane, to be honest. Uh, I know this fight is a two hundred five, so 
you know, both guys aren't going to have to cut weight. That's probably, that's obviously more for Strickland than anything. Um, they needed a, they needed a main event. They needed a late replacement and Strickland's that, that kind of psycho that'll, that'll jump in. And um, I have no doubt that from a cardio perspective, I'm sure Strickland is good to go five rounds. Um, but is he ready to go five rounds, you know, like he was against Jan- Jared Cannonier or, you know, we know that this guy, you know, he's known for, um, him, the Chris Curtis's of the world. I mean, these guys spar like four or five days a week, you know, so they're, they're in fight shape. Um, but the other thing too, is that, you know, Gastelum, um, I believe Gastelum is a Southpaw, right. And Strickland is, is, is Orthodox. So there is, there are some sort of late replacement um, kind of variables that change for Imavov as well. Right. It's, it's, it's not just, um, sort of cut and dry, you know, the late replacement guy comes in and Imbalov sort of walks through him. And, you know, he's going to have to adjust because, um, you know, you go from fighting a, a short 5'6", five, 5'7", five, Kelvin Gastelum to – who as well also has a predominantly boxing uh, boxing style uh, versus like a 6'1", Strickland, who, again, bo- boxing dominant, but he's an orthodox fighter and – more importantly, like throws volume, like mm-hmm. volume, volume, volume. This guy has, I mean, you know, mo- you know, a few things are guaranteed in this world: death taxes and fucking Sean Strickland throwing over a hundred significant strikes in a fight, landing. You know, I mean, this guy just keeps throwing that jab, throwing that jab. Um, the fight against Cannonier, I mean, it was tough, right? He, he was, he, I think, I, I thought he won that fight. To be honest, three to two, very close. Like, I, you know, I wasn't mad when I saw Cannonier win. The problem with Strickland is that I find he's just too content with um, kind of stick, you know, staying on the outside, you know, touching you with the jab, touching you with the jab and kind of break you down. But he, you know, you don't, you don't really see those like power shots from him where, you know, I think that's where he went wrong in the Cannoneer fight. Rightfully so. I mean, Cannoneer, you, you got to be super careful with a guy like that who can hit as hard as he does. Um Imavov, or whereas I don't think he has the kind of power that Cannoneer possesses, I do think that um, he's a lot more refined in you know the art of the eight limbs. I mean, his 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 Muay Thai, uh, kickboxing, whatever you want to call it. I mean, he uses all his tools in his striking. And the other thing too is that again, um, you know, I I think this guy's grappling is something that a lot of people are. You know, I'm just gonna put this to bed now because I I, I we, we were talking about this earlier in the week guys how like Imavov is is uh he gassed in his last fight i mean he gassed what's gas what does that mean right for me when i hear so when i think about someone gassing i think they're they're losing the fight because their cardio gave up i mean he at no point was in danger of losing that fight i'm pretty sure one of the judges actually gave that third round to him and the other thing too is that like for those first two rounds with buckley he was beating the shit out of him you know, you can get tired from beating the crap out of somebody. That happens. Um, and so I just think it was a situation where, yeah, I mean, he, he was getting tired. I think he got taken down. Um, when I was watching that fight, I thought he lost that round. But does that mean he gassed? I mean, I would say no. That's just a guy that knew he was up, maybe was coasting a little bit. Um, at no point was he in danger of losing that fight um, in that round. And, you know, it is what it is. But to label a guy as a gasser because of, like, one bad round, uh, I just don't understand it. Uh, I also think, too, you know, the fact that he's, like, such a big middleweight, he's not going to have to cut the kind of weight that he usually does. And and that'll zap you, right? 20, you know, that that drop from light heavyweight to middleweight, like 20 pounds, that's a lot. Um, you know, that's that, that, that zaps your fucking cardio. So... I, uh, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm not buying the Imavov is a gasser a narrative here. Um, he's had a full camp. I think, uh, you know, granted it's going to be, I, I mean, I like, I do think this one's going over though. I think it's going to be the over four and a half is going to hit, um, you know, just because late replacement, you know, the game plan is going to, going to change. I think you got a guy like Strickland who is content with kind of sitting back on the outside um, and so I think it'll just be kind of a chess match of Strickland's jab versus um, Imavov's, you know, leg kicks and, and, and combinations. I, I don't think the grappling is going to be um, is, is really going to come into play here. I'd be shocked if it does. Um, but I just think that for every three, four jabs that 
you know, Strickland lands, I think Imavov can land one power punch and kind of put that out. Similar to like what happened with, with Kananir, but I actually just, I actually think Imavov is, is actually a little bit more of a crisper uh, striker. And I think he can actually land a little bit more than Kananir and make it a little bit more uh, clear that he's winning this fight. Whereas, you know, I think the Kananir fight, it was a little bit up in the air. Um, so yeah, I like Imavov here. I'll definitely have a position on him. Um, I also like the over. I think this one goes a distance. And um, yeah, bet accordingly. Yeah, and you already know Sean Strickland is like relishing at the fact in his mind, his words, you know, he's he's gonna get to go out there and beat a Frenchman, right? Like he probably views French people just remind you this is coming from sean strickland's perspective like he's gonna go out there he's gonna beat up a french pussy right and he's gonna knock him out right in his own words like it's not gonna be this big scary black dude like jared cannonier was the last time out that he said time and time again throughout that fight week and um you know he's spoken about like being scared of like jared cannonier throughout the week after the fight too he's like saying it's a big scary dude coming back at me um i wonder if that plays a factor into this fight at all right that he might not give I'm involved the respect maybe that he deserves or that he might just be disrespectful of the power coming back at him. Cause even in an interview earlier this week, Sean was like, you know, I fought behind this jab last fight, but I'm actually going to throw this thing this time out, like pointing to his right hand. So, you know, in terms of mindset, you know, Strickland's fucking crazy. He might not have fought like it his past few fights, you know, against Hermanson and against Cannoneer last time out. But if he comes out the way he did against Brendan Allen, I know we're looking about four or five fights back at this point then it could be a long night. I think in terms of sports books, they love this matchup way more than that Gastelum matchup because they're going to get a lot of people betting Sean Strickland here. Yeah, definitely. definitely. I think so. Yeah, I think so. And um, yeah, this is, a, this is a good one, guys. This is a really good one. Uh, <clears throat> I just think that with Imavov's uh, distance control, I think that's the biggest thing for me. I just don't think that Sean's going to be able to land. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, it's... Uh, it's interesting because Imavov, you know, yeah, he represents the French flag, but he was born in Dagestan, which is really interesting to me just with his style and really his, uh, I wouldn't say inability, but lack to initiate um, a takedown where I think in this spot it wouldn't hurt. You know, I mean, he landed a few versus Buckley there. So uh, could see a world where, you know, uh, Imavov pushes Strickland against a, against a cage, you know, just limits that uh, that reach advantage there and uh, trying to find a takedown. I mean, I don't think that it would hurt. You know, I think, uh, man. That finish that Imavov had versus um, Edmund Shabazian was truly vicious. The way he had him in that crucifix position and just landing just elbows from hell, man. And, you know, Brian, was it, is, is it Brian Peterson is the uh, the referee? That's his name? Keith Peterson. And no Keith Peterson. Keith That's Peterson. right. Keith Peterson. Yeah, I mean, he, I, I mean, Edmund's trapped there for like 25 seconds just taking blows and in, 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 in classic Keith Peterson fashion, just letting the fight go on. I mean, it just looked like Edmund was turning into a, a dead corpse as the seconds went by. It was tr truly brutal, but that's what, that that's also what I love about Imva, man, is that ability to, to, to show that hunger and finish the fight, man. Like uh, I just have this weird feeling that, you know, Strickland is simply just doing the UFC a favor here, saving a saving a card. Oh, yeah. Giving a nice paycheck. <laughs> Saving, giving him, pay, giving a nice paycheck, and him uh, enjoying, you know, a few months off. Like I, I just, it's really hard for me to imagine that Strickland comes in here five days notice uh, and, and gets the job done versus a guy in Imavov who is a, a growing prospect in this division. So um, should be a fun one again. I'm really, really intrigued to see how Imavov looks on the scale here at 205. So, uh, like I said, already got three units on Imavov, and uh, I think he's just going to come through, man. I'm, I'm really confident on this play. Yeah, and, and just to play a little bit of devil's advocate because you're both on Imavov. Um... You know, I, we hear it time and time again every time Strickland fights these days, but we, we've never really seen anyone, like, out-wrestle him, right? Like, he does yeah. have wrestling and grappling backgrounds, so I think it's a little bit easier said than done from the Imovov side. Yeah, no doubt. That's a good point. I think, um, yeah, I, I I don't think that's the path here. I think, um, you know, again, you gotta you got to factor in the late-minute change and uh, the last-minute change, and I, I think the first couple rounds we'll see a lot of, a lot of feeling out. Both guys are going to, especially Strickland. We may not necessarily see him throw as much volume as, as we're used to, because I mean, for you guys forget he, he, he was a welterweight, right. And now yeah. we're seeing him at two Oh five. Yeah. It's, big so it's like, it's, it's, it's a, it's a big jump. Um, naturally he's just a big guy. He's tall. So it's like, he walks around. I'm sure he's basically going to be coming in at what he walks in at walks around. Yeah, at exactly. Probably, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if that guy walks around like 220, 230, if not more. Like he's fucking huge. Um, and so, 
no weight cut. I think uh, we'll see him evolve. Like just, just you know, we're gonna just see it great. when the strikes get landed. Like just a little bit more oomph in it from him evolve. You know what I mean? So yeah, just that impact, man. That impact, man. Like yeah. you look at Strickland fighting, and like, look, he's got a great jab. Like I get it, but like if you're talking about pure damage, come on. Like you, you said it great, Dan. Like he just doesn't throw those power shots. Like, it, like he doesn't add that extra mustard. Uh, to that combination. And, uh, man, Imavov, he's just such a tricky fighter, man. He's such a tricky fighter. And I think this is a spot where, you know, I think people are really going to know who Imavov is, you know. Um, sure, you know, he had a little bump in the road versus, um, who was it that he lost the majority? Uh, Phil Halls, you know, back in uh, early 2021. Uh, but that's just one of those spots that builds character. And, uh, you know, he certainly looked incredibly sharp since then. So, um, yeah, let's rock and roll, baby. Uh you know, Dan and I are on Imavov. Matt would love if you were on Imavov to make it a KP play, but if not, no pressure. So um, can't wait to cash in on this uh, this beautiful card on Saturday. Yeah, I, I think where I'm struggling to get to the Imavov side is just, you know, how good Strickland's been defensively. And if he could keep that up going into this fight, I mean, he had historic middleweight numbers going into the Alex Pajeda fight, you know, when it comes to significant strikes absorbed. So um, being a late replacement, like Dan mentioned, going from Southpaw to Orthodox on Imavov's side for preparation's sake, it, it's harder for me to get there for those reasons. So um, jury's still out. Who knows? Maybe I'll come to in the, in the coming days. But for now, just going to stay away. I think I, I agree with Dan that this one probably goes a distance, you know, for the other reasons I just mentioned. And uh, it's going to be a good fight. Like I said, it's going to be a better fight than the original main event that was slated here. Yeah. And, and you talk about defense. I just have to bring this up. You know, <clears throat> Imovov, he's only absorbing like 2.4 strikes landed a minute, which is pretty darn impressive. Um, and Strickland is right about double of that. This thing is like 4.1. Well, I'm talking middleweight. His middleweight statistics are way lower because that's taken yeah. into account his early UFC career down at uh, welterweight. Yeah. Fair. Yeah, man. I, man, I just I'm so intrigued to see these guys on the scale, man. Um, this is one of those, man. I, I, I think there's a great opportunity to cash in. So, uh going to be a great card guys I'm, I'm so happy to be back with you guys and um of course on the cusp of a, a of a big card next weekend in brazil you know we'll have a special guest as well so uh really looking forward to that absolutely boys and as as mentioned earlier in the episode head over to our twitter account at fight night kod we're doing a steeds giveaway uh in honor of our boy damon jackson who was fighting on the card saturday in the co-main event nonetheless he's getting the, the spotlight that he deserves so Make sure you check it out. Subscribe to us here, one of the steps, and follow us on Twitter. And uh, tweet out your prediction for that fight, guys. Thank you for joining us. Kev, Dan, good to be back. Let's cash in.